grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And the Christian life is above all a supernatural experience. So what can we do to understand this life, a life so radically different than what we're accustomed to? How do we move beyond what is touched and seen to the reality of God's Spirit inside of us? We're starting a new series called The Spirit-Filled Life. Today's message is called The Infilling. It's time for Reaching for Real Life. There's something that we talk about in church circles a lot, and it's called cultural relevance. Cultural relevance is the idea that we have to be relevant. What we say as the church, what we say as people, has to be relevant to the world that we're wanting to minister to. We have to be relevant. What good does it do if we're answering questions? Nobody's asking. We can have the most eloquent arguments that say nothing that matters to anybody, and it's like, okay, we just wasted our time. So cultural relevance is really, really important, but I also want to acknowledge its limitations. Because think about what we're trying to do in the context of the Christian church, in the context of our faith, in the context of what we're about to talk about. How in the world do I make the supernatural relevant to a natural world. See, that's what, in John chapter 3, Jesus was trying to do. Remember Nicodemus? That's what the worship team just read to us, that passage in John 3. Nicodemus came to Jesus, and he came at night, because Jesus was kind of a radical in the religious institution's mind, but Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, was curious. And he was a seeker, he was hungry, and he wanted to know. And so he comes to Jesus, And the first thing Jesus says to him, yeah, if you want the kingdom, uh, you got to be born again. (laughs) Nicodemus responds, oh, well, thank you. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that. I'll go do that. Yeah, if you know the passage, you know that's not what he said. He said what you or I would say. Well, (laughs) what are you talking about? How how can you be born again? Again, can I like go back to my mother's womb and do it over? What are you talking about? And that's where the passage that we just read came from. Let me just briefly look at it again with you. Jesus said, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. And that word spirit is a very interesting word. And Jesus' illustration of wind is very interesting because it's the exact same word in the Greek. Pneuma. The spirit, the wind. Do you know it's also the word for breath? The spirit, the wind, and the breath. When Jesus is asked to explain the supernatural to a man who lives in a natural world, a man who asks a very natural question, how can I be born again? He uses the picture of the wind. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that. I got a brief video I want you to take a look at. Take a look.
beautiful? I mean, just an eagle flying. I, yesterday, actually, you had to see a hawk. A similar type of flight, just soaring. It's like almost no motion, a little bit, and then just soaring. And if, if you just watched that, you would go, man, that hawk is beautiful. That eagle is beautiful. How does he do that? Look, at it's effortless. And we would think we're looking at a, an incident or an event that has one character or player, but we would be wrong. Because there's two characters or players. There's the eagle and there's the wind. And if you wanted to prove that, all you'd have to do is all of a sudden, if you could create a vacuum and remove the wind, the, the air completely, the pneuma, you, you could remove it, that eagle would drop like a rock. You know, wouldn't that be horrible? The music would stop, you know. <laughs> Your beautiful scene is ruined. Just to show you, that's not one character that we were watching. There were two. There was an interplay between this eagle and the wind, the pneuma. See, that's what Jesus was getting at. He was letting us know to understand the Spirit, consider the wind. Think about it. The wind is everywhere. It's everywhere. It's, it's, we can't see it, but it's everywhere, and we take it for granted. It's essential. It's comforting, especially here in South Texas. A little wind is gold. Soothing. Wind can be powerful. Wind can be scary. You ever been in wind and it gets scary? You can't live without it. And let me just say, you definitely can't fly without it, whether it's an eagle or a plane. And Jesus is giving Nicodemus a picture. He's saying, the wind is what the Spirit is like. It's essential. It's powerful. You can't control it. But yet there's something there for us. When you watch that eagle fly and you see how he used the wind, it's amazing. Now imagine if we asked that eagle to come and teach us how to fly. And imagine if to be culturally relevant, the eagle assumed, well, I can't just say, here, do this. I have to come and I have to walk and be like them. And so the eagle comes and he's walking and he's trying to relate to us and come and be one of us so that we, he relates, we open up and great, this is awesome. But the eagle actually never shows us how to fly. Just keeps walking. We have this eagle walking around, being culturally relevant to us. How beautiful. Over time, we recognize, you know, we're all kind of taking eagle lessons. We're all kind of, we all walk a little more like an eagle. We got, you know, some of that going. We don't know what these arms are for, but we're doing the eagle thing. But we still can't fly. And over time, that eagle keeps being so culturally relevant and wonderful and relating to us. But the eagle actually forgets how to fly. And so you have this eagle that's actually an eagle intended to soar, but it's walking around like us, talking about flying, but never really flying. I'm afraid that's how we in the church have been with the Spirit. I'm afraid, and sometimes it's this desire to be culturally relevant. Sometimes it's other things. I'm afraid we've forgotten in many ways that we're supposed to soar that we are filled with the Spirit of God and we're supposed to fly. And to be culturally relevant to the culture around us, we've wanted to say, no, no, look, we're just like you. Don't worry, it's not weird. Let me just tell you, um, to people who can't fly, flying is weird. To people who don't know how to soar in the Spirit, soaring in the Spirit can seem weird. 
but our attempt to fit in and look, we're just like you. I'm afraid we've forgotten in many ways how to fly, how to soar in the Spirit, how to be filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus, one of the final things he said right before he was ascended, Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, and it's interesting, he says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart, ordered them. Okay, this is serious. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized. That's the Greek word, baptizo, means to be immersed. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And now listen to verse 6. I find this interesting. He said, when, they, when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And look what he goes back to. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's fascinating. He says, you heard from me. You're going to be baptized with the Spirit. You're going to be endued with power. And their question is, um, Lord, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Do you, do you realize Jesus tells them, here's what they want to know, and Jesus says, but here's what you need to know. What they want to know is about what's going to happen in the future. Do you know how obsessed we get? We get wrapped around the wheel about all the wrong kind of things. We get all obsessed about what's going to happen, you know, what's the future. Uh, We did a series uh, one time called Apocalypse Now on the book of Revelation. Oh, people were coming. Ooh, they were all a flutter. Because everybody wants to know. We could have got, you know, uh, Tim LaHaye or Jerry Jenkins to come. It would have been, woo over the top. We get all kind of weirded out about those kind of things and because we're real interested. We get even some theological things, some cultural things. And Jesus is like, yeah, it's not for you to know what's going to happen. Don't worry about it. But what I want you to really know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Yeah, Jesus, but what about end time stuff? (laughs) I'm telling you, you are going to have the power of God in you. Oh, I know, Jesus, but what about this doctrine, or what about this theology, or who's right? Are we right, or are the the Presbyterians right? I don't know. You're going to have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Oh, I know, Jesus, that's good and all, but but come on. We really want to know this, because i got to go to my Bible study, and I want to have the right answers. We talk a lot about what's wrong with the church. The whole culture talks about what's wrong with the church. The Christian church talks about what's wrong with the church, and let me just tell you the reason everybody talks about what's wrong with the church is because there is a disparity between what we read on these pages and what we see in like everyday life and what we see in the newspaper and what many of us experience in our Christian life. There is a disparity, and there's not supposed to be. Yes, it looks different in modern culture. The clothes are different. The language is different, and that's fine. That's great, but the power shouldn't be different. And so we sit and say, well, what's wrong with the church? And some of the criticism against the church is unfair. I'll I'll acknowledge that. But some of it's not. I think when we talk about this subject, we're kind of honing in on what could very well be wrong with the church. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want to suggest something. I want you to write this down. The church's greatest failure is the failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Spirit. I believe that's the church's greatest failure. The church's greatest failure today is the failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro 
a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called The Infilling, right here in the series called The Spirit-Filled Life, as found on our sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And back to the message, the infilling. This is Reaching for Real Life. The church's greatest failure today is the failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Understand something. This is the very nature of our salvation. It is how we are saved. It is what we are saved to. We understand the cross and we love the cross. We sing songs about the cross. Today we sang Amazing Grace. The cross is beautiful. But you need to understand something. The cross is not the point of our faith. It is the essential doorway through which we must walk. But it is not the point. The point is the presence of the Lord. The point is fellowship with Him. The great tragedy of our sin is that it separated us from what we were created for. Relationship. Daily, vibrant, spiritual communion with our Heavenly Father. And so we sometimes sit and go, well, I understand the cross, I understand what Jesus did, and I'm so thankful for the cross. But we then turn it into some kind of legal contract. His death paid the penalty for my sin, and that's true. But the minute we turn it into a contract, or even a covenant, we miss it because our salvation is not legal. Our salvation is relational. Our salvation is the person of God's Holy Spirit resident in us. Our salvation is the person of God's Spirit resident in us. That's what he has saved us for. We look at justification, which is when Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. Our sins are are made pure and clean, and it is a beautiful thing. But we act like justification is the end. It is not. It is the beginning of our salvation. It is then that God begins to set us free from the chains that sin and death have ensnared us in. The minute we accept Christ as Savior, we are saved, and we are set free. But set free to what? Set free to life in the Spirit. That's the essence of our salvation. See, the life of Christ doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit. Paul makes it real clear. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. I want you to see this in your own copy of Scriptures. I don't care if it's paper or electronic. We'll put the Scriptures up on the screen behind me here. But 
I want you to see it. Okay, so look at it so you can go back. I want you to read this. I'm going to read you a lot of scripture here for the next few minutes, okay? So don't get lost on me. Don't zone out. It's the eternal word of God. I want you to hear what the word says. And it's not a close call. It says it a lot about the work and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, great passage, beginning at verse 5. Paul's going to talk about, teach about the Holy Spirit. He says, those who live according to the flesh, physical, everyday, worldly nature, according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on spirit is life and peace. For the mind that's set on flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Listen to this. Indeed, it cannot. Make note of that. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's not just that they do not. They cannot. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh. But in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, listen, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Very important idea. You should should underline that, circle that, write that down. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I don't know, but that sounds pretty good to me. Resurrection power in us? And now listen, verse 12. So then, brothers, and and what I want you to note there is he's talking to believers, brothers and sisters. So then, believers, listen to what he says to believers. We are debtors not to live to the flesh, to live... Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13. But if you, believers, he's not talking to unbelievers here, but if you, brothers, sisters, believers, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. He's talking to believers and he's saying, in the flesh you can't, but you've been filled with the Spirit and look at all these things that the Spirit does. That's why our greatest failure is the failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Spirit. A few things he says about the Spirit. Let me outline some of those real quickly. First, the infilling assures us of who we are in Christ. The infilling assures us of who we are in Christ. We talk about the assurance of the believers and we get into systematic theology and the theology of Calvinism and all these things. And I want to say there's been some real damage done in the name of that doctrine because it has lended to, it's pushed us to this idea of contractual. Well, I said a prayer, I received Jesus, I was sincere, so I'm done. If you think that, you are absolutely wrong. You are not done. The whole point is it's a beginning. 
He says the assurance is, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You want to know how you're the children of God? The Spirit of God dwells in you. It reminds you of who you are. And i got to tell you, that's really good news because a lot of us could use some reminding right now. He says you are the children of God. You get a new nature. You're filled with his Spirit. You're different. You're in a new family now. You are the children of God. This isn't some just kind of romantic language, poetic, that maybe hopefully one day that'll become true. No, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, his spirit resides in you. You are the child of God. That's just a done deal. He gives you a new name. You're a child of the king. We need to understand how powerful and significant that is. He says, verse 11, that incredible verse, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, to a spirit who dwells in you. Do you know what that means? That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. Jesus said this something similar in John 14, 16, 17. I will ask the Father, he'll give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and look, will be in you. That's an interesting phrase if you're wanting to understand kind of the nature of the infilling because he dwells with you, which was current right now, that's present to those disciples in John 14, the night that Jesus was betrayed. He dwells with you, but look what he says, he will be in you. What was he talking about? Pentecost. He's talking about what would happen at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and they were all filled and what would be forevermore. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. The infilling assures us of who we are in Christ, our nature, the infilling, our presence, the, the presence of him in us. That's why this is such a big deal and that's why the biggest problem with the church today is our failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Spirit. Second thing Paul assures us of, and this is really important, the infilling empowers us to live like Jesus. It empowers us. Remember what he said? Um, He said the flesh can't do it. The flesh cannot. It's impossible. You can try in the flesh. I can try to be as Jesus-like as I I want, but without the presence and power, it's not going to happen. But his presence in us gives us power. That's what Jesus said in Luke 24, 49. He told them, behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with what? With power from on high. That's one of the biggest challenges of the church today. That's one of the biggest grievances. That's one of our biggest struggles. We often live as though there is no power. And that's messed up because it's not because of the word. It's not because of the spirit. It's because of our failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this power in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses here and then I'll make some comments. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. This is verse 14, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to, listen, according to the riches of his glory, which is a lot, okay, he's God, he's got a lot of riches, a lot of glory. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with what? With power, through his spirit in your inner being, power to live like Jesus. 
Those who have the Spirit should be victorious. Those who have the Spirit should be overcoming. Those who are filled with the Spirit should manifest the presence and the power of Jesus. That's normal. To not is not normal by New Testament standards. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. If you'd like to hear this full message, the infilling, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.